0: The Woodside Church podcast. Today I'm going to be speaking on the last in our series looking at, at 1 Samuel from the Old Testament in our Bibles. Uh, we're actually going to be returning back to Samuel later on this year, uh, but we're going to finish. This is the finale, would you believe? This is the finale. We're looking at 1 Samuel chapter 16, and I want to look at the subject of anointing, anointing, now this is a word that if you've been in churches for a while uh, you probably have heard used of situations or even of people you may say well that was a really anointed time of worship, have you ever heard people talk in those terms or they may say well he's he or she's a really anointed worship leader or you never know they may say well he's a really anointed preacher sometimes that can be said (laughs) About others, I understand. (laughs) Often we're actually referring to, I think, the manifest presence of God amongst us. And sometimes when we use the word anointing or something being anointed, actually sometimes we're trying to describe what it is that we've just experienced and what we've just had is a great example when there was a sense of the, the presence of God was with us. And, and we were seeing gifts being released, serving the body. We, we were feeling we were connecting with God. There was a sense of the manifest presence of God. Does that make sense? But that's actually different, I think, to what the Bible teaches about anointing. But sometimes I think we use that word in those terms. We know what we mean, but it isn't necessarily what the Bible describes as anointing. So what is anointing, you're all wondering? (laughs) Well, hopefully by the end of this morning, if the preacher is anointed enough, we will find our answer. I want us to look at the anointing of a man, or actually a a young boy called David, which is as Luke uh, mentioned is timely because of the way God has led us this morning. I want to look at what is anointing? Uh, What does it look like? What does it mean? And I particularly want to look at the story and the anointing of David from 1 Samuel 16. Uh, So I'm going to tell the story and, uh, and then we're going to read from the Word of God just to make sure that I've told the story correctly and then we're going to pull out some points. And we'll see how we do. I've got lots of points. I don't think I'm going to get to all of them. But that's okay, isn't it? We just get to what we feel God leads us in. So the story is this. Just over a thousand years before Christ came, before Jesus Christ came to earth, the people of God, the Israelites at the time, the people of God were led by a prophet called Samuel. In fact, God had regularly given... Godly leaders to his people that they would lead them away from sin and idolatry and to fellowship and follow the ways of God. And Samuel was that prophet who led the people some thousand years before Jesus came to this earth. And the background to the chapter that we're going to be looking at is actually the question of succession. Who was going to follow and succeed Samuel? Who was going to be next? And what was that person going to be like? And how they're going to be gifted and how they're going to be chosen and all of those sorts of questions. Because Samuel was getting old. And in fact, his sons were a problem. So succession wasn't going to flow that way. And the people of God... Because they looked at other nations around them, they decided that what they needed was a king. Please give us a king, they said, like the other nations around. And we see this back in 1 Samuel chapter 8. The old prophet Samuel took offence by this. He was hurt by this. He felt like people were rejecting him. Have you ever experienced that feeling when people criticise you and say, actually, I don't want you, I want someone else? Well, that's how Samuel was feeling. He was feeling rejected by people. But God said to Samuel, look, they're not rejecting you. They're actually rejecting me. And God said to Samuel, tell them about the other kings. Tell them about what kings can be like. And what often, not always, but often worldly rulers are like He said this, Tell them that they will take your sons to serve in his army. They will take your daughters to serve as maids in the king's palace. They will take the best fields and the vineyards. And the king will take a tenth of what you earn and tax you. And God was saying all of these things as a way of helping the people to realize what they were asking for. And he did that through Samuel. However, God said, If they want a king, I'll give them a king. And the first king was a man called Saul, which we looked at a little while ago. He started well. He was quite humble at the beginning. But he had, if you like, a good honeymoon period, we would say today. But later he disobeyed God in many different ways. He became proud and so much of what he did was not good. He even built a statue of himself To show how amazing he was to celebrate all of his victories. So they experienced a bad experience with King Saul. But God in the end told his old prophet, I've rejected Saul from being king. But I'm going to begin again and I'm going to choose a different sort of king. What the Bible describes as a man after my own heart. One who will... Justly and generously. And so God said to Samuel, I want you to go to a small village called Bethlehem. Have you ever heard of Bethlehem? It's the same Bethlehem. So Samuel was told by God to go to this very small, insignificant village. You know, sometimes an area can be. Can be a place where you wouldn't expect someone of significance to, to emerge from. Often you may think, you know, if you look at our political system without getting too political here, I'm trying to steer away from that, but you, you know, many of our politicians, go th- uh, 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 we discover, go through a particular school or a particular university or a particular background. Well, Bethlehem was the last place you would expect the new king to emerge from. It would be in a major city or conurbation. But no, God said to Samuel, Go to Bethlehem. I'm going to choose one, choose the new king, and he's going to be one of the sons of a man called Jesse. But Samuel was afraid. He was afraid of what Saul would think, the original king. And so God said to him, Well, when you go, offer a sacrifice in honour of Saul because this will be a normal thing that you would do and that would ensure that Saul wouldn't be angry with Samuel. So Samuel went to Bethlehem to find the new king. It's exciting, isn't it? Are you with me on this? Now when he arrived, the elders greeted Samuel and they were afraid that this prophet had arrived. They said to him, have you come in peace? Have you ever had the experience when you go and see a prophetic or prophet, someone in... in, in um Church ministry that you know God uses and and it speaks with real clarity. You ever had that feeling when you go to see go to that meeting and you know that that prophet's going to be there? You're a little bit nervous before you go. You think they're going to look at me and see all the things I've done wrong. So I tell you what I do is I'll I'll repent of all the sins beforehand and I'll probably have a quiet time that morning. And so when I come to that meeting, and David Devinish is there. I, this has happened to me with David actually back in the day when I. Was was a lot younger. Um, I remember going to a meeting, David, Jeremiah was going to be there as one of the elders here, used by God wonderfully and prophetically at different moments and I remember thinking oh, he's going to look at me and he, when he preaches he really looks at you if you've ever seen David preach and that he'd give his eye on me and he's going to reveal the secrets of my heart and the fire of God's going to come down. No, oh, no, no, that's not right, it's okay. And so you go to those moments, and there's a sense of fear and anticipation. I'm not saying we should be, but we see this, that the elders were fearful that Prophet Samuel was coming to their small village. Just imagine what that must have been like, particularly in old covenant days. So they said to him, have you come peacefully? Have you come peacefully to see us? They were nervous. And then Samuel arrived and says, is there a man here called Jesse? Because I've come to choose a son, one of the sons of Jesse. And that man has got an important role to play. Because Samuel knew that he had to anoint one of these sons. Now just to explain, anointing is a sign of God's choosing. A symbol of power from the Holy Spirit. So anointing is God's choosing of someone. Now, because a prophet was coming, they did all the, the grand things that they would normally do. In fact, they'd already said there was going to be a sacrifice to Saul. So they got the roast beef ready with Yorkshire puddings and horseradish. What else do, have? Uh, do you have? Pigs in blanket, do you have that with roast beef? You should try it. I think you'll find it's in the text somewhere. But they prepared roast beef or their equivalent. And this amazing feast was prepared. Oh, they probably weren't allowed sausages. That's a very good point. <laughs> Maybe it's not in the original after all. Man, Colin, you quote the Bible at me. I what this so Samuel went there. He looked for a first son. And the first son was a man called Eliab, an impressive young man. Tall, confident. Surely this was the one. I feel we've got to just get into the drama of this moment. (laughs) Matty, would you stand please? Just where you are. You are Eliab. Let's all look at this impressive young man. Tall, confident. Surely this was the one, Samuel thought. And then God spoke to him. Said, he's not the one. Shocked. So sit down. That's terrible news. And then number two, I'm not going to do it for all of them. Number two and number three stood up. And as each of them stood up, Samuel thought, surely this is the one. And then God spoke to him and said, no, 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 that's not the one. And this carried on. and then the last two stood up. There were seven sons present, so I need two, i need son number six and number seven. Yeah, can I have some? So, Gary, would you stand up, please? He's a tall man. And uh, Steve, would you stand up, sir, as you're as you're close by? I'm um, impressive, impressive young men, aren't they? <laughs> Just imagine all the other five sons have stood up, Samuel's approached them, they've passed by and he said, no, 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 they're not the one, as God spoke to Samuel. And then it came to son number six and number seven. And so he came to number six, number six thinking, this could be me. I could be the anointed one. I could be the next king. And then God said, it's not him. And so that son had to sit down. And God said to Samuel that he looks at the inward man. He doesn't look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And then so it came to the final son that was present. Now that moment, Steve is feeling pretty good about this. (laughs) Or maybe he's thinking he wished he never came this morning, I'm not sure. He 's looking around, says, it was only me left. But then God said, it's not him." So that son had to sit down. Imagine that scene, that drama of all these sons passing by Samuel, and all of them being rejected, even though many of them were clearly had great stature, and their outward appearance was impressive. But God was saying to Samuel, "No, I look at the heart. I'm looking for someone who has a heart after the things that I." have a heart for. But Samuel was puzzled. He knew he heard from God. He was someone who regularly could hear the voice of God. So he turned to Jesse, the father, and said uh, why are all your sons here? Are there, is there anyone else that is not here that are one of your sons? And then Jesse started thinking and then he looked at Samuel and he said, well, there is David, my youngest son. But he's out looking in the fields, looking after the sheep. And it was like, surely you don't mean my youngest son, David. Of course, in the Eastern culture, particularly at that time, and maybe today, but certainly at that time, you would have looked down on the youngest. Culturally, they would have not been relevant. I remember many years ago, in the West, certainly in this country, we used to say children should be seen and not heard. Do you remember an old Victorian phrase, I think it was? Well, it's actually today, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes we don't honour um, our elders uh, in the way that maybe, maybe we should be encouraged to do. But here you've got uh, Samuel and God clearly wanting to recognise The youngest, David. So they said, right, we need to stop everything. You need to go and get David and bring your youngest son to this mill. This would have taken probably two or three hours for David to be be found and to be brought back. Can you imagine what that would have been like? The roast beef is getting cold. Probably not, actually. And suddenly David arrives. He was a young and good-looking man, we're told. But that was not the important thing. He had a heart after God and God had chosen him to be a different sort of king. Not only was he anointed with oil, but we're told he was anointed by the Holy Spirit as it came upon him in power. Amen? Amen. Let me read this story from the word of God and then we'll pull out some points for us today. 1 Samuel 16 verse 1 says this, you can check I've told the story correctly. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? Since I've rejected him as a king over Israel, fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands before, here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shema pass by. But Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to them, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Fascinating story that explains a really important biblical message for us today. So I'd love to unpack and say, well, what therefore is this teaching all about for us today? What is all this teaching to us today? The first thing is this, anointing. Anointing physically meant the pouring of oil on someone's head. It was a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And anointing is a sign of God's choosing of someone. There were two forms of anointing actually for Samuel. One was by God that is described, sorry not Samuel, for David. One was by God in this story Later on, different tribes also anointed David as they recognised God's hand and God's choosing. Anointing meant pouring of oil, a choosing of David. Also, we can say about anointing is that if we look to the New Testament, we know that Jesus was described as Jesus Christ. Now, often it sounds like we're describing That Jesus has a surname, and his surname is Christ. I'm Martin Tibbet, and we have Jesus Christ. Well, Christ actually means anointed one. He is the one whom the Holy Spirit has or will come upon. In the New Testament times, we all receive the Holy Spirit. So we all receive an anointing when the Holy Spirit comes on us, because we are in Christ. Christ, so we are anointed. Do you feel anointed this morning? Hello? You are. David Devonish on this subject, in fact, I must confess, uh, I found out that David preached on this subject about 11 years ago, and I had an old recording of it, and so I've pinched a lot of his ideas. He's aware of this, by the way. Uh, And Dave D says this, So we are an anointed people, those on whom the power of the Holy Spirit rests. If we have received a gift, then we need to move in the power of that gift, not just look for an anointing. It's hugely important. So often we are expecting and relying upon the manifest presence of God, as important as that is, We believe in baptism in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the flow of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe the refilling of the Holy Spirit. We believe in encounters together like we experienced as we sung this morning. But anointing is when God chooses someone and equips them and empowers them. And we're called to respond in faith into that anointing that is already upon us. I remember many years ago, uh, Dawn and I were in a, a community group, one a, a small group. It was actually in a previous church. And there was a, a couple there called Paul and Ali Betts. And they were not actually believers. They'd come to church on the Sunday before and then had been invited to the midweek house group, if you like. And Dawn and I were there, my wife Dawn, there she is. Uh, Dawn and I were there and suddenly uh, Paul actually had a bad back and that was known to the group, particularly to the leaders and then someone, the leader in the group said, Paul, I think your, your problem with your back is the fact you've got one leg shorter than the other, which is a common uh, complaint, actually, with back injury. Uh, and, and then she said to this new person who turned up the group for the first time, God wants to heal you of your back. And I'm thinking, man, this is not very seeker friendly, and this is very awkward. And if I'm honest, that's what I was thinking. Uh, And so uh, they began to ask Paul to to stand up, and they were going to pray for him. And then, and then I had a prompting from the Holy Spirit when Dawn nudged me in the side and said, "Come on, you're a leader. Get up there and help." Thank you, Holy Spirit. And so I followed the Lord's calling. And I stood up and he sat in a chair. I promise you, before we even prayed, we saw one leg become the same length as the other. And his back was remarkably healed in that moment. It was fantastic. But what happened was something very important. Is that what God had placed in me, I began to respond in faith. Because he'd anointed me to be a leader and I had to play some part in this to affirm what was going on. But also the person who was stepping out, the leader in that group, was stepping out in what God's anointed them to do. So we see there is today particular leadership and ministry-related anointings. This is according to the gift that God has given us. Paul said to Timothy, really helpful in this situation, he said this, In 2 Timothy 1, verse 6 to 7, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. See, I had to fan into flame that gift of leadership to play my part. It was a very small part, if I'm honest, in what God wanted to do to this guy called Paul. But we have to be those that recognize that God has anointed us to do many different things. What tends to happen is we are reticent, sadly, to step into all that God has for us. And what Paul describes to Timothy is helpful to us, I think, to, to encourage us to fan into the flame the gift, the anointing that God has already placed on us. Do you understand? So maybe you're someone who can lead worship or pastorally you're really skilled, or you've got the gift of encouragement, or or the gift of leadership, or or you're good at hospitality, or whatever it may be, God says to us we're to fan into flame that anointing that is already on us. Do you understand? So anointing is when God has chosen someone and gifted someone, and empower them by the Holy Spirit to do something, to, to, to perform something. Sometimes it's temporary, but often it's something that stays with them. It's part of how God wants to use them in their life. The first one, anointing. Number two, we can learn from this teaching. God does not look on outward appearances. David was very young. There's a, there's a uh, an Arab proverb, I understand, that says this. Who, he who is one day older than you is wiser by one year. It's quite, but actually what was happening in this moment is that they were looking at the young man, David. And God wanted to say, no, I'm going to anoint that person. David was rejected by his family. He wasn't even allowed to be at the feast. Yet God chose him. 1 Corinthians 1, 27 says this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. David had a heart that wanted to follow God. This is wonderfully releasing. This says that God has anointed us. Jesus even said that that he'd been anointed by the Holy Spirit to preach good news to the poor. There's anointing on us if we're following Jesus and we're filled with the Holy Spirit. But the encouragement from Scripture is that we're to be those that have a heart after God and we're to fan into flame all that God has placed in us. And just imagine the church fanning into flame all that God has placed in her and fulfilling all that she is called to be. Thirdly, and I'll finish with this. Thirdly, we see a new sort of king. I haven't got time to unpack this. But this was a glimpse of a future as well. David was a new sort of king, a man after God's Heart. God's big plan was that from David, Jesus would emerge from the line of David. And so this glimpse of a new type of king was also pointing to Jesus, the king. That, Jesus, that God in the end, through his son, was going to lead and bring, new, bring in a new kingdom that was going to be established in Jesus' name. So, to conclude, anointing is according to God's choice and his gift. He has anointed us, he has anointed you, he has anointed me. God has, I'm sure, spoken to many of you and me about the ways he wants us to outwork our calling in, in following him. And he encourages us to fan into flame all that he's placed in us. God's choice is not based on outward appearance, hallelujah. And God's anointing is in order to extend God's kingdom. Let's stand together, shall we? Let me ask you just to close your eyes for a moment. Really felt as we were as I was preparing this morning that there would be those amongst us who just know that God has spoken to them, that God has gifted them in particular areas. And I really feel that encouragement to fan into flame the gift that God has placed in us is important for a number in this room. We heard during our worship an appeal for kids' workers, which I thought was a great little advert but I instantly thought there are people here that are gifted to work and serve children. So this isn't just about filling a rota. This is about responding to an anointing that God has placed in us. And asking that question, God, how would you have me apply this? I was talking to someone a few weeks ago who has a real anointing in leading worship and I was encouraging them to fan into flame the gift that God's placed in them it could be many many different things I won't try and list any more you know you know what God's placed in you if you're not sure then ask him because if you know Jesus and you've got the anointing the filling the empowerment of the Holy Spirit then God has anointed you let's let's pray together shall we Lord, first I want to pray for those of us who are clear that there are things that that you have anointed us in. We may not tend to use that terminology, but Lord, we know that you've used us in a particular situation. And we've seen you bless that. We've seen fruitfulness in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would help us to fan into flame right now. To be active. Not to be timid, but to be bold. Not for our glory, because it's about what's in the heart, but actually for your glory. Lord, we want to be those that seek to see your kingdom brought into being, to see your purposes fulfilled through us. Lord, I pray, would you help us to fan into flame that gift right now? To agree with you that you have anointed us to do this or to do that. Lord, I pray that you would... Lead us and help us. I pray from this point today that we would take steps to making that a reality. Whether it's a gift of leadership. Whether it's caring for people. Whether it's bringing hospitality to others. Helping people. Prophesying. Whatever it may be. Maybe something in the workplace that you know that God has called you to do there's an anointing on you for that as well. I speak of someone who's married to a nurse. I can assure you that Dawn is anointed to be a nurse. If you've ever been on the receiving end of the medical profession, you'll know there's a grace on them for what they do, if you've ever needed their help. But that would apply to multiple scenarios and multiple situations. God anoints us to do what he has called us to do. Hallelujah. But Lord, I also pray for those who maybe are unsure what the next step looks like. They're not sure what you've anointed them in. They're not sure what your calling is, what you've chosen them to do and be. Lord, I pray you'd speak to them even now. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Lord, in that beautiful way that Samuel could hear with great clarity your voice we say God would you speak to us now so we can get in step with your spirit in our lives we want to catch hold of all that you have for us we pray too finally that that would be our children's experience we pray for the groups upstairs at the moment the young people the teenagers as well Lord we pray that they would know that they are called and anointed by you We pray that they too would uh, run with real perseverance with all that you've placed on them. We pray, God, would you do this in order to make you, Jesus, famous and your kingdom advance. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.